Well, good morning. Hey, Happy New Year. How are you guys? Come on. It's 2018. It's the first, it's the first message, first gathering of 2018. Man, we are so excited that you are here with us this morning. I am believing for God to do a new thing. I really am. A new thing inside of each and every one of our hearts. How many of you are ready for God to do a new thing? Come on, like, you're like, you look at 2017. See, this is what I know. Some of you look at 2017, you're like, man, that was an amazing year. And some of you look at it and you go, it was not an amazing year. I'm glad 2018 is here. And wherever you find yourself, whether you're excited about the new year, whether you loved last year, no matter where it is, here's what I believe. I believe God wants to do a new thing. So even if you experienced a great year, he wants to do a new thing. Even if you experienced a horrible year, guess what? He wants to do a new thing in your heart and in your life inside of each and every one of us. And, and I, I would say this, it, it, that God wants to do a new thing as you and I look ahead, that he wants to do a new thing as, as you and I reflect on the past. I, I think about the faithfulness of God and what he did this last year in 2017. And, and you know, this is right around the time where two years ago, Kosh and I were voted in as the pastors here at Bethany Assembly. And it's, it's been awesome to think about what God has done in the short time frame that we've been here of two years. And really, as I, as I think about that and I think about where God um, is taking us, there is an excitement that kind of begins to dwell up inside of me. And, and the reason is, is because I believe that he's been building towards something. Because here's what I know about God when, when he's doing a new thing, that, that he's already been prepping long before he ever lets you and I in on the new thing. See, some of you, what you don't realize is 2017 was a year of, of him building inside of you things that he was desiring to do in, in and through you in this new year. That God was already faithfully putting people in your path and, and aligning stories to come together for the new thing that he's doing. I, I think about some of the new people that God's been bringing here to Bethany. And, and I'm excited about what he's doing in and through the hearts and lives of individuals because people's stories matter. And, and I believe the more that we can hear of people's stories, the more we can activate people into their God-given callings, then what happens is, is, is the kingdom of God begins to, to advance and begins to move on and begins to see things happening. So whatever the new year may hold for you, can I encourage you, whether good or bad, can I encourage you that God is doing a new thing in your new year will be better if you put God in the midst of it. In the midst of your family, in the midst of your marriage, in the midst of your health, in the midst of your workplace, if you'll put God at the center of all those things, then what will happen is hope will begin to rise as change begins to happen. You know, when I think of change, I think about New Year's resolutions. Now, I know Pastor Ron, this past weekend, he did a phenomenal job, did he not, this past weekend? Now, Pastor Ron made the joke that myself, I was on vacation, which I was, and Pastor Braley was on vacation, and then Pastor uh, Casey was on vacation, I mean a missions trip, um, to Germany and then Rome and all those places that Pastor Casey. So Pastor Ron said you basically were left with him. 
But here's what I can say about Pastor Ron. You are in great hands because Pastor Ron is an incredible man of God. And, and if, you missed, if you missed the message, I want to encourage you to listen. It's worth listening to online, I promise you. And uh, all those are available at our website. But, but I promise you it'll be worth it because he talked about his one word and, and then really gave us some tools for how we could have a one word for, for the new year. And the idea and concept is this, is, is what if God spoke a word over your life for the new year? What would that word be? And we encourage you to, to think through that word. And so I think through my word from 2017 and, and 2016. And we've, I've been doing this for quite a while. And, and every year those things have panned out. And I think about Pastor Ron's word. His word for last year was encouragement. And if you don't know this about Pastor Ron, he naturally is someone who encourages, but he goes above and beyond. Every, every Sunday morning, I get up really early and I come in. In fact, few weekends back, Kash and I had got up really early together, and it was really interesting because it was the day that we were doing the Christmas show, and Kash and I ended up going to breakfast on a Sunday morning, and we found ourselves at, at Country Skillet uh, over there at 6 a.m. in the morning, and uh, we were like, what are we going to do? This is weird. Like, So we went and ate breakfast and sat down, and it was like, oh, this is what normal people can do. <laughs> not people in ministry. It's like, I was a little jealous, to be honest with you, because I was like, I love breakfast. But, but what you may not know is Pastor Ron has been encouraging me for probably a year now, where in the morning, on Sunday mornings, he'll come in my office, and uh, he'll bring me, he used to bring me two things, now he just brings me one. And the only reason why is because I asked him not to bring me the other. The first thing he used to always bring me is a chai latte with soy milk from Big B. Big B. Yeah, Big B. I, I thought I said Bixby. <laughs> My brain thought I said Bixby. I was like, no, that's not right. <laughs> but uh, Big B. And uh, so he, he would bring that to me every, every morning. I was like, Pastor Ron, you, you, you got to stop bringing that to me because it, it gives me a little bit too much of this. And, and the soy milk gives me other areas. Um, and so, um, but then the other thing he brings is he brings me an egg white delight from McDonald's. Now, I'm not a big McDonald's fan. I know some of you love McDonald's out there, but I'm just not a big McDonald's fan. But one thing I really do like is an egg white delight. <laughs> they're just, they're fantastic. Now, I don't eat them a whole lot because they're more expensive. I normally go with like the sausage burritos. Um, they're palatable, but the best thing about a sausage burrito is it's only a dollar. And then normally I'll eat two of them, but here's the problem, okay, is a sausage burrito at McDonald's for just the one little tiny one is 300 calories. Whoa. Well, when you eat two of them, that's 600 calories. When you're my son Gabe and you eat four of them, well, and he still normally wants more than that, um, that's a lot. Versus an egg white delight, that's only 240 calories. So that's a good deal right there. So every Sunday, Pastor Ron brings me that, and you may go be saying, why are you telling me all that? Because Pastor Ron put action to his word. Do you know, do you know that there were, there were some Sundays where Pastor Ron was at home sick in bed? No joke. Sick in bed. He was really sick for a season there. And he still would call other people to make sure that my Egg McMuffin 
came on Sunday mornings. Now, he didn't do that for your applause or anything. He just did that because he's a man who's working out his one word. He's saying, I'm going to be an encouragement to other people. I'm going to be a blessing to Pastor Brian. I'm going to, I'm going to be a blessing to others. And, and that's just a part of who he is. And what he's done is he's taken a word that God spoke over his life, and he's been grabbing a hold of that word and saying, here's where I'm going. So, so for me, I look back at 2017, and, and, and my story doesn't unfold as nicely as Pastor Ron's. In fact, when the Lord first gave me my word, I was kind of upset about it. Because I felt like the Lord spoke over me, and the word was a word I didn't even want to say. I don't even like saying right now. It's a hard word for me. It's called self-control. See, because I knew what self-control meant. It meant no two sausage burritos. It meant no butter pecan ice cream. Oh, my brother-in-law... He, he has a he has a ice cream maker, like a homemade ice cream maker at home, and he made butter pecan ice cream. That's so good you want to slap your mama. I mean, like it is. I, that was a Pastor Ron right there. That's a Pastor Ron right there. But uh, man, I'm telling you, that, that butter pecan ice cream is so good. But here's the thing. To make a half gallon of that butter pecan ice cream costs 20 bucks. $20, and I gladly let him make it for me. <laughs> that stuff was amazing. Though. I'm sitting there eating that stuff, and you know what? I, I would sit down, and I would eat some in the morning for breakfast because he's like, you, you, you can't leave it at the house, and I was like, all right. So then at nighttime, I would eat it when we were playing cards. I was eating all the time, and, and in the back of my mind, that word is going self-control, Brian, self-control. I'm like, I am. I'm controlling myself. I eat it in the morning. I eat it at lunch. <laughs> You know, dinner, self-control. So you can look back at your word, and maybe for some of you, maybe you can relate to a moment where maybe you feel like you didn't really do all that well with it. Maybe, maybe you look at things and you say, man, like, I, I need something new. Maybe for you it's a new, it's a new moment of believing God for something different. Maybe, maybe for you it's a, it's a new time to decree something over your life. Maybe, maybe for you it's a new time of saying I'm going to eat better. It's a new time of saying I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to soap more. I mean, we're talking about not just, you know, taking a shower. We're actually talking about engaging in God's word. And hopefully after today you'll see once again about the importance of engaging in God's word. We're in Acts chapter 7 right now. See, you're seven days into the new year, and here's what I know about resolutions. Pastor Ron told you don't make resolutions, but many of you still disregarded what Pastor Ron said, and you made a resolution. Some of you are saying, I'm going to eat better. I'm going I'm to be better in my finances, all these different things. And I, and I will say this on a side note. Man, I am glad that we did the ABCs to financial freedom because I can say this. We walked out of Christmas not having any debt. Like we walked out of there saying, hey, we're going to be free in this area. And I hope, I hope that many of you did the same thing as you were challenged to that. And you know what? My kids still had a great Christmas. They didn't have as many presents around the tree or anything like that, but that's all right. They're so spoiled anyways. Never have they ever said, oh, man, like that was the worst Christmas ever. They just haven't. Because really the thing that they want isn't the gifts anyways. They really just want time with mom and dad. They just want time with family. They want to be able to hang out. So can I encourage you, man, spend time in God's word. Spend time soaping. Maybe for some of you it's a new moment where you're like, this is a new year, I'm going to quit an addiction. Maybe for you it's a, a new time of, of you developing some habits in your life. 
See, because here's what I know. New thoughts will lead to new words, and new words will lead to new actions, and new actions will lead to new habits, and new habits will lead to a new future. See, the reason why I struggled a lot with my word last year was because I constantly would go to the negative moments where I failed. Ever been there before? I don't know if you're like me, but for me, a lot of times, I beat myself up. I don't celebrate very much the moments where I do really well in self-control, but I sure do celebrate the moments where I failed. Seems like my mind constantly is going to the moments that I fail rather than the moments where I'm winning. I think a lot of it is just a trick of the enemy. Coming in and whispering in your ear and saying, see, look, that, that word God spoke over you, like, why even do a new word for the new year? You didn't even do really well last year on that. And as I was sitting there and I was processing through those things, I was reminded of like Paul. And Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 3, he's talking about true freedom. And he talks about in this true freedom that we can experience something new. He's talking about how his life has been completely changed. He's had an encounter with God that changed everything for him. He's on the road to Damascus. He's the one who's been persecuting Christians. All these things are happening. But yet in one encounter, his life is completely flipped upside down. An encounter with God. And so he pens these words in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But then he says this, he says, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. What he's talking about is I'm not living my life looking at the past. I'm looking ahead. I'm straining forward towards the things that God has For me, he says this, he goes, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When I think of my one word for last year and I think about me pressing on towards that goal of self-control, my mind was consistently going to moments of failure. Even the scripture verse the Lord had laid in my heart, you know, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7, I was dwelling on that thought and just thinking about, okay, how have I done in that area? How have I done in self-control? And yet, as we've been reading here in the new year in the book of Acts, I'm reminded and take comfort in the scriptures. You know, that's why the scriptures have been given to us. Not only is it a roadmap, but it's also something that I think we can relate to. So many times as I'm reading the scriptures, there'll be someone that will jump off the pages that I can say, you know, I feel a little bit like him. And as we've been reading here in the book of Acts, I can relate to a guy by the name of Peter. See, Peter was the one who said a lot of things with his mouth, but his actions always didn't line up. He was the one who rushed in. He was the one who was kind of all over the place. But man, he was passionate. He was passionate for Christ. He was passionate for the gospel. But yet when push came to shove, that passion quickly failed away, and he actually denied. You probably remember the story where Jesus has been arrested. They've gathered around. They're accusing him. They're beating him. Peter stays on the outskirts of what's happening and gathers around a fire to keep warm and A young girl sees him and says, hey, weren't you with Jesus? And he denies him. He says, no, I don't even know the guy. He he goes on to deny again, and he goes on a third time to deny Christ. The time where Jesus needed him most. 
Or so he would have thought. So you and I would have thought. I look at my own life and I feel a lot like Peter because I feel like sometimes I let God down. But then God just quickly reminds me, Brian, I, <laughs> I didn't put all my eggs in your basket. <laughs> I'm not just needing you. I, I, I need you, Brian, to do these things, but it's not, like, it's not like the plan just solely rests on me. And thank God it doesn't. Jesus wasn't resting the plan on Peter. No, actually, his story was a part of the story. But as we'll read here in a few, we'll see a guy who denies Christ, a guy who's known as the one who, who doesn't exercise self-control, right? I mean, Jesus is being arrested, and Peter's the guy who pulls out his sword, and he's like, not today, and cuts off a guy's ear, right? There was no self-control in that moment. He wasn't following the leading of Jesus. So then Jesus is like, ah, oh, Peter, 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 come on, man. He goes over, he grabs the guy's ear. Hey, sorry, bro. He puts it on, you know, like that would have been really cool, right, in that moment to see that. But Peter was the guy who was always rushing in, always struggling these moments. So as I'm reading about him on the pages of Scripture, man, I take, I take solitude in Peter because I feel like Peter a lot of times. Sometimes I say things with my mouth and sometimes my actions don't always line up. Kasha has lived with me for 20 years. And she has seen many times where I've failed in those moments. I'm a communicator by nature, and so I can communicate all day long. But sometimes my actions don't always follow up with that. and So I try doing various things to try to show the actions and stuff and to show love to her and stuff. And, and um, I love being around her and being with her. And part of her love language is quality time. She, she loves quality time. The hard thing for a guy with ADD is quality time means focusing and means kind of really pressing in and, and sometimes I'm kind of all over the place and that's not an excuse. I've got to work on that. So we keep working on those things and keep trying to do that because for me, I look at it and go, okay, I, if I can relate to a guy like Peter, then that means I can change like a guy like Peter because what we see in Peter's life is we see a change. We see something that happens, and it comes through some encounters that he has with God. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 1. This is where we've been soaping. We're on chapter 7 today, and we see a guy by the name of Stephen who, who really encountered some pretty tough times, some really difficult times himself. Because Peter, or, or Stephen's story that unfolds, and I'm just giving you a little background while you're flipping over to Acts chapter 1, but but Stephen's story doesn't go quite the way he probably thought it would. And as we read today, we see a man who is being accused and brought before the religious leaders. And all he does is point them to Jesus, and yet that pointing them to Jesus moment causes just this violent anger to rise up inside of them. They take Stephen out and they stone him. He loses his life for the gospel. Can I tell you, sometimes when we look at the new year and we look at moving ahead, sometimes things don't quite go the way we thought. I don't think Stephen woke up and was like, hey, I bet you this year I'm going to get stoned to death. I don't think that was ever in his mind. What was in his mind is if I stay close to Jesus, if I spend time with Jesus, if I, if I declare who Jesus is, then no matter what comes my way, I'll be okay because I've got Jesus. And can I just tell you, no matter what comes your way in 2018, I'm believing for great things. Man, God has put some things in my heart for us as a church body that I think we are going to experience that, that 
In many ways, I thought they would be years, years down the road, but I believe God is fast-forwarding some things, and I think part of the reason why he's fast-forwarding some things is because I I think Jesus is going to be coming back. But I think he's going to put us on some fast-forward and some things, and I think 2018 is going to be a year that we're going to look back and we're going to go, man, God did amazing things. You know, in 2018, you know what we're celebrating? We're celebrating 75 years as a church. This church body, 75 years ago, was started. There is history that this church has across this community, and I believe that on our 75th year anniversary that God is going to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever imagine or guess or request beyond our wildest dreams. I believe God's going to do that. Acts chapter 1, we see the story unfolding That changes Peter's life. Really not only Peter's life, but changes everyone's lives. And I hope that you can relate to it. Because what we see in chapter 1 is we see that there's a promise that has been given. Not just to Peter, not just to John, but actually to all. The promise has been given, and it says this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What basically is being told to them is you're going to receive power and then you're going to be witnesses in an impossible way across the entire land. Every every man, woman, boy, and girl, the gospel will go forth. And so there's this promise that's given to them in Acts chapter 1. And then in Acts chapter 2, what we read about is we see it's actually been given to them. So they, they, they receive the promise, and now they receive what has been promised to them. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. It says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. Now that would have been an awesome moment to see all that. And they were filled, the Bible tells us, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We see them receiving the promise. Now, remember, the promise that they received was not for their own benefit. It says you will receive power to do what? To be witnesses, to give away what's being given to you. See, sometimes in the Pentecostal church, I think what's happened is, is we think that the Holy Spirit is something that's just for us. But the Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we would then be bold in our faith, that we would then be individuals who when we see someone who's sick, we'd say, oh, you're sick? Let's pray right now. Whether it's in the middle of Myers. Country market, Walmart, come on, wherever you shop, all these, wherever it is you're shopping and someone you see and you get talking with them and they're like, man, I'm just not feeling well. You should stop in that moment right then and there and say, can I pray for you? And I'll, I'll tell you this, most of the time when I've ever, I, in fact, I can't think of one time where I've ever asked somebody if I could pray for them who was sick and they told me no. But what I have seen is people that we've prayed for come up to me later and go, man, God healed me in that moment. God did this in my life. Man, I, I felt different. So in that moment after you've prayed for them, you know what you do? You, you see, you activate it. You say, hey, how are you feeling right now? And they're like, oh, man, it's still hurting really bad. You say, all right, let's pray some more. Come on. And you pray for that. 
Now, don't go to the third and fourth prayer time, unless the Lord's really telling you that. But sometimes that gets a little awkward. You're like sitting there like, all right, come on, we're, we're, we're going to be here all night. And then they're finally like, oh, I'm healed. Because <laughs> they're trying to get away from you. You don't want that. But being obedient and walking that out, why? Because you and I have power. And that's what happens in chapter 3. We see, we see the promise that's been now given to them in chapter 2 is now being activated. Here's what it says. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. A man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate, to ask for alms for those entering the temple. I mean, just picture this right now. They're carrying this guy in. They lay him down. He goes to the same spot every day. Everyone knows him. Let's, let's call him George. Everyone knows George. George is there. And every time George is there, he's, you got anything for me? Alms for the poor. Can you help me out? I have no way to take care of myself. I have no way to take care of my family. This is the only thing I can do. And I love what it says. It says, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. He's asking for the only thing he knows. Can you help provide for today? But it says, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. And then they said this. They said, look at us. Don't look at our purse. Don't look to the things our hands could provide for you. Look at us. Look at us. Because the reason why they want him to look at them is because they've been around Jesus. They have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They, they know something's different about them. And it says, as he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them, but Peter said to him, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Come on, that, that moment right there. That's awesome. It goes on to say, And leaping up, he stood up and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as George. doesn't say that, but remember we gave him that name. The one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And then I love this. It says, All were filled. And they were all I keep putting all on there. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It's interesting how people will begin to see the power of God activating in people's lives when we actually activate it. See, Peter and John had been promised something, they had received it, and then they had to activate it. And then once they activated it, though, look what happens in chapter 4. It says, basically, we see that's actually being tested. It says, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the certain, or and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. They were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So what happens? It says, and they arrested them and put them into custody until the next day for it was already evening. So here's Peter and John. They have been told the promise. They've received the promise. They've activated the promise. They've, they've helped someone in need, and now they're in jail. 
Ever felt like God spoke something over your life, you take those steps, you start doing it, and all of a sudden things don't go quite the way you thought? Peter and John find themselves in jail. They find themselves in a, in a situation that they never would have thought they would have been in. It's interesting to note the progression of these chapters. Think about it. It goes from promise to being given to activated to tested. Ever had something in life go that way? God gives you a promise. Like he's giving the promise, then, then you actually you receive it, you activate it, and then the testing comes. Hmm. It's almost like me. God gave me a word, self-control. He told me, Brian, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of sound mind, and self-control. Gave it to me. I activated it at times. And then there was testing that came, like butter pecan ice cream, like guarding my tongue when I'm angry. Like you could name all the different things of areas and moments where maybe I didn't quite do it right in self-control, but, but here's the beauty of it. When you look at the next uh, few verses, in, in verse 7 of chapter 4, we see the religious leaders, they've gathered around Peter and John, and they ask the question, they say, by what power or by what name do, do you do this? Basically, what they're asking is, is they're saying, all right, so what's the secret? Like, what's, what's going on here? And Peter and John's response is not, hey, yeah, well, we, we, we got it all together. No, no, they instantly point to Jesus. But there's a reason why they point to Jesus. It says this, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. What is he filled with? He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he, he instantly points to Jesus. He instantly points to the one who's changed his life. He instantly points to the one who's given him grace. He instantly points to the one that later he had denied. He was the one that, that when just a, a girl gathered around a fire, said, hey, weren't you with him? He's like, no, I don't even know the guy. I mean, he goes so much, so as the scriptures say, he's cussing. You know, come on. I, I, and he's using explicit language like, I don't even know him. Here's that same guy who had those moments now being a guy who's standing in front of religious leaders, the same ones who would have crucified Jesus, the same ones who, who could take his life. He knows it, and yet what he does is he stands in front of them boldly proclaiming Jesus knowing full well that his story could unfold just like Jesus. See, it's hard for us to picture that, but during this time, that was not a big deal. Just crucify him. But because he's filled with the Holy Spirit, his life is completely changed. You see, one encounter changed everything. One encounter put a new word in Peter's heart. I think about 2018, I've been asking the Lord for a word, and earlier in the week, Kasha had asked me, what, do you have your word yet? And I still, I just, I didn't have it. And there was a word that kind of kept coming up, but I was like, no, that can't be it, because it's like, no, I just, I don't want that word. <laughs> and I just kept wrestling with it back and forth, and then I'm reading in the scriptures, and Everything I'm reading, I have this John Maxwell Bible, and everything in it starts talking about my word. And my word for 2018 is focus. 
Now, for a guy with ADD, that's just a hard thing. It's like, oh, come on, seriously? But I do know that that's what God's calling me to do. I do know that 2017's been a year of him building that in me, been putting tools in me, putting great people around me. Kasha has come on, and she's been helping here at the church with various things, and she's, she's like focused like a laser. She's phenomenal at that. And I know that God gave me Kasha 20 years ago because he knew the things I would be needing, and, and I thank God for him, for her, not him. I said him. I didn't mean him. I meant her. You're not a him. Oh, no, you're not a him. Woo! Not at all. Looking good today, baby. Sorry, sorry. See, ADD, that's what I'm talking about. It just, it just happens. But here's the thing. I know that the word that God's given me, that he's going to also give me the tools that I need because one encounter with him can change everything. You know, one of the things I actually have started kind of even believing, and I started thinking about this last year, actually. I had gone on medication for ADHD. I don't have the hyper part, but I have the, the DD part. And um, I'd gone on some medication for it, but, but it actually, it kind of, I don't know, it makes me kind of grumpy, right? Isn't that what it does? Moody? <laughs> you can just see her down there. She's just like, mm-hmm. So, so I went off of it. And one of the things I've just been saying, okay, God, what if you just heal me of it? Like that, because that would be really good. <laughs> if you could just, why don't, why don't you just heal me? I, I know diet, I know exercise, I know, I, I know all these different things and things that I need to be doing, but man, God, it'd just be great if you just heal me of it. Like if you could just, if you could just help me just to be able to focus and, and actually be able to sit down and, and read a book like a normal person and like, that would be fantastic. See, the only way I really can retain things is if I read a book while listening to it. Even, even when I read my Bible, I, I put the guy in the Bible app on, and I like, I like actually using the NIV because they, they have a little bit of sound music behind it, you know, and I feel a little bit like it just feels very soothing as he's reading. Like, even this morning when I got up, I was like, man, Acts chapter 7's a pretty long one. I'm sitting there, I'm like, Hearing, you know, Stephen kind of reading through all those, if you were soaping along today, you're like, oh, that's not that long. I felt like it was kind of long. So I started reading. I was like, oh, I can't read this much. So I put the Bible app on and said, read it for me, buddy. And he, he read it, and we went somewhere. It was great. Um, see, I'm still not healed yet, but I'm getting there. Because <laughs> here's what I know. I know I need the Holy Spirit. Peter and John in a moment knew they needed the Holy Spirit. You see, for each and every one of us, this is something we need to realize. Jesus is our hope, and the Holy Spirit is our power. Jesus is our hope. Like in 2018, man, let Jesus be your hope, and let the Holy Spirit be your power. Acts 4.10 says, Let it be known to all of you, the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised you from the dead, by him this man is standing well before you. What Peter's saying is saying, listen, the, the proof's right here. This guy is standing before you healed today because of Jesus. And then he goes on in verse 12 to say, There is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by among men by which we must be saved. See, Peter understood something. One encounter, one word spoken, one step, one moment changed his life, but also changed the life 
of that man. I love what verse 13 says. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, now remember, Peter was the guy that was denying, was not bold, but it says when they noticed the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. What does that mean? People like you and me. Maybe you're like, I'm, not, I'm, I'm educated. Okay, great. Um, but I think what the Scripture is trying to get you and I to understand is like they're just normal, everyday people. It says they were astonished, and then this, this, this is the key. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized they had been with Jesus. See, when people encounter you, do they recognize you've been with Jesus? See, if the Holy Spirit is living and active in your life, are people recognizing you've been with Jesus? Are people saying, man, no, I see that in them, man. Those people have been with Jesus. Four just simple steps today to help you get closer to Jesus. And I believe they're actually given to us in verse 31. It says this, and when they prayed, this is chapter 4, verse 31. It says, when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and all were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Four steps to Jesus. The first is this, is pray. Pray. Why not just talk to God? Allow him to be a part of your day. Listen, prayer is simple. It's just talking to God. Just like you talk to your spouse, like you talk to your kids. Maybe not like you talk to your kids. Actually, just talk to them. Talk to God the way that you talk to other people. Just talk to them. You could even ask them, how's your day going? It's going pretty good. Fantastic. Maybe he'll not ask you how your day is going. Well, it's going pretty good. Standing in front of everyone here at Bethany, it's great. You can sit there and interact with God. Now, some of you are like, man, when I pray, it's not like I hear an audible voice. I don't hear an audible voice either. But what I do is I hear God impressing on my heart various things all the time throughout the day. And when I take time to focus in on him and say, okay, God, you're, you're involved in these conversations. You can be a part of it. What God does is he begins not only listening to me, but he begins speaking back into my life. See, when we spend time with God, what we do is we get to hear his voice. And the more clearly you hear his voice comes when you spend more time with him. Now, here's what I'll encourage you. Soap, spend time in the scriptures. Tomorrow we'll be reading Acts chapter 8. Read it. I know some of you are like, I'm doing, I'm doing Joyce Meyer's devotional. Great, do that. Some of you are doing other devotionals, you know, like do them. That's fine, fantastic. Some of you are like, I'm reading the whole Bible through in a year. Fantastic. Read the Bible through in a year. But here's what I'm asking. If you're going to be here at Bethany Assembly, just read one chapter a day, and tomorrow read Acts chapter 8. And then the next day, read Acts chapter 9. And the next day, read Acts chapter 10. And if you want to, you can go a little bit step further, and you can journal. Because when you journal, what happens is you write things down. I even told my boys, I'm like, they're like, yeah, we do a lot of it, Dad, electronically. And so we gave them journals and said, I really think you writing these things out will be good. And it's really good for them anyways because it helps their handwriting because, man, kids in school today, their handwriting is horrible, or at least my kids are. Maybe your kids aren't. Maybe my kids are just slackers in that arena. But, but man, it's like, 
My kids don't even know how to do cursive. It's like, sign your name, and they're like printing their name. I'm like, no, no, sign it, you know, like do some swoops in there. And they're like, <laughs> like a doctor at the end of it, right, you know? But spend time in God's word. I'm telling you, there is something powerful. It's reading one chapter. When a scripture verse kind of jumps out at you, observe the context of it, apply it to your life, and pray it. Soap it. Because I believe what God did is he actually left the scriptures for you and I as believers to actually know what he's actually speaking to us. It's almost like he was like, hey guys, I'm going to go away. I'm leaving this note for you. It'll tell you where everything is. It'll tell you where the pizza is. It'll tell you where, you know, when to feed the dog. It'll tell you all those things. I mean, it doesn't tell you those things, but I'm just saying it'd be just like if you were leaving a note at home for somebody who was coming to stay at your house. The Word of God has a lot to say about prayer. Colossians 4, 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here we go, Matthew 6, verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. What is that saying? Listen, just talk to him. Some of you are like, I can't pray. I, I don't know how many people I've said, hey, will you pray out loud? And they're like, oh my goodness, Pastor Brian, that was the first time I've ever prayed out loud in front of someone. I'm like, what? They're like, I'm terrified to pray out loud in front of someone. I'm like, why? And they're like, well, I don't pray like so-and-so. Can I just say, you do not have to pray in King James. <laughs> thou, Father, thou art so wonderful. Thou madest the heavens and the earth. Not earth. You don't have to pray like that. Just talk to him. Hey, God, I really need your help on this decision today. Hey, God, right now I'm really angry about what happened in this moment. Will you help me? Just talk to the Lord. The second is this, is gather. It says the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Now, here's, here's what I'll say. They gathered together. They were purposeful in getting together. Our times here when we gather, are called gatherings, not services. And, and, and this is, I know this seems like it's just a play on words, but let me just say this. The reason why we call them gatherings is because we want participation. And when I think of a service, and there's nothing wrong with service. I, I mean, I've gone to churches where they were called services forever. But service, it's, it's almost like, hey, we'll, we'll be up here, and you can just sit there and watch. But it can't be that way. There's got to be interaction. There's got to be us doing life together. That's why we got to do groups. That's why you have to be involved in groups. That's why you got to be involved in serving. You got to be a part of going out in the community and serving in various things. Like God wants you and I to, to do life together. We gather together where it's not just where we sit back and watch a show. Listen, there are better shows that are out there. My, my daughter loves the, the Greatest Showman, the, the new movie. Go watch that if you want a show. I heard it's really good. She's going to New York, and she's going to go hit all these Broadway shows. You guess what? We, we don't do Broadway up here. I mean, Casey, you know, he does a little bit, but no, we don't do that. Why? Because it's a gathering. We gather together. So can I just encourage you? Gather. Get together. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now here's what it goes on to say. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some. 
but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Why should we gather together? Because every time the church gathers together, God's going to be there in the midst of it. The Word of God tells us in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. That means if God is here, he's going to show up and do something. And you know what I love? I, I love when I hear from people like, man, I was so bummed I had to miss last week. They're like, because I knew God was going to do something. It's like there's this expectation in their heart. Like, I don't want to miss it. Because why? Because I, I'm a, I know I may miss something that God's wanting to do. Can I just tell you, man, God is up to something. And in 2018, we're going to experience things that we're going to be able to look at and go, man, that was incredible. And you know what? If you're just watching online, and I know some of you are, and I, I but can I just say, if, if you're just watching online and you can be here, you should be here. You really should because there's something that happens when we gather together. The scriptures tell us when they gathered together, they were shaken. Something happened because they gathered together. They were praying, they gathered, and God did something. Look at what it says. It says they were all filled. So the third is this, is be filled. It doesn't say some were filled. It says all were filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I, I dare you to ask God to fill, fill you with the Holy Spirit. Seriously, just make it a matter of prayer and daily ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. See, when you gave your life to Christ, the Spirit already dwells in you as a believer. The Holy Spirit is not external to the believer but actually the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. The Spirit of God works internally in a repentant and believing person's heart to affect a new birth that takes place. He does not then depart to come back later at a time of infilling. But what happens is, is the Spirit baptism is an overwhelming experience of the already indwelling of the Spirit. It's called by some the release of the Spirit or, or some being filled with the Spirit. But what happens is, is the, the Spirit of God is activated in your life. And what happens is, is as a believer, you are empowered with boldness to then go and share your faith. You're empowered with boldness to lay hands on the sick and to see them receive. You are empowered with boldness to speak a prophetic word over someone's life. You're empowered because the Spirit of God is living inside of you and activated in your life to do great things. Which leads us to the fourth, and that is this. The fourth step is speak. It says this, continue to speak the word of God with boldness. You see, because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they shared, they told others. They were bold in their faith. What does it mean to be bold in your faith? It's more than just the words we say. It's living out the actions that follow with our words. You see, boldness is confidence in Christ. Isn't that what it really boils down to, you being confident? It's interesting how we'll be confident in our prayers when someone says, man, I'm I'm sick with the flu, and we go, oh, I can confidently pray that God will, will heal you of that. But then someone comes to us and says, man, I, I have cancer. Oh, whoa, hell, uh, No, you can be confident in that moment praying for that person because God, just like he wants to heal the person with flu, he wants to heal a person with cancer. He wants to heal a person with ALS. He wants to heal people who are facing various things in their lives. Why? Because he's a faithful God who heals still today. I love hearing praise reports across our church body of people who are being healed. Why? Because it activates my faith. It begins to continue to encourage my faith to grow to where I can walk boldly into situations and say, no, 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 no. 
No, I can walk in victory here. I think of our young people that God's raising up. There's a lot of some really great, we, we just have a great, and maybe it's just because I, they're at my house so I see them, but we have a great college age young people here at our church. And um, I believe God is raising them up and putting them into places of leadership around and just doing things that, that are really exciting for me. Because one of the things I see inside of them is just this boldness and this faith that just says, someone's sick, I'll pray for them. Someone has a need, I'll take care of that. And sometimes I think we, we underestimate that generation and we say, oh, they're just flighty, they're going all these different ways. I, I wonder how much of it sometimes is just their spirit led. I mean, trust me, I get frustrated with them. <laughs> My daughter, you know, there are times where I'm just like, oh, man, sweetie. Like, hmm. But I can tell you this, man, she loves Jesus. And I've seen a young lady walk through some really difficult, hard times that would have taken other people out of the game of life, but she has said, nah, nah. Type 1 diabetes, yeah, life-changing, but it's okay. God's bigger than that. God's bigger than that in my life. I can still do great things. I'll still do, I'll, I'll still do everything. In fact, I won't even just do everything. I'll do, I'll do even above and beyond those things. Why? It's because the Spirit of God's living in her. And we say, well, it's because she has great parents. I mean, yeah, we know. No, it's not because of us. It's because the Spirit of God is living in her. It's because she's been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She has the power of God living in her life. So when sickness rears its ugly head, she says, no, I won't be overcome by it. She has great youth leaders. I think of Emily and like the impact that Emily's had on her life. Like There are great people who have poured into her. And you know what continues to happen? Her faith just continues to grow. So here's what I want to encourage you. Brag on God acknowledge his faithfulness in your life think about the new year and think about what god wants to do in and through you pray gather man be filled speak out with boldness about what god's done take one step closer to jesus paul says it this way in galatians chapter 5 as i close for freedom christ has set us free stand firm therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery in verse 13, a few verses later, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but to actually, through, through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then a few verses later, he says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. There's this idea that life is a journey filled with steps, new steps. 2018 is filled with lots of new steps for you. The question is, is are you going to spend time in prayer? Are you going to follow Jesus' example, the example that Peter and John and others laid out in front of us? Just pray. Just pray. Just spend time talking with the Lord. Just spend time in his presence. Just, just be like, God, here's your word. Like, if you're reading the scriptures, like you just, you just go into it and you go, man, God, I'm going to receive from you something new today. Speak to me through your word. Gather together. Don't be like the normal person. I mean, they say now, the, the, like a normal like Christian, they say, we'll attend your church, we'll attend church once a month. Once a month? 
man, let's not just be normal. Now, I'm not saying that for my benefit. I'm saying it for your benefit. Because there are times where you don't feel like being at church, and that's exactly the times you need to be there. Those times when you're laying there in bed, you're like, man, I just don't want to get up. I just don't want to do anything. Yeah, you know what that could be called? That could be called a little bit of depression. And you know what you need? You need to be at church. You need to be around other people who look at you and give you a little kick in the butt and say, come on. Or who just do it in a positive way. Be filled. Be filled with the Spirit of God. And then speak with boldness. My prayer is that 2018 will be the best year ever not because of our talents, our gifts, but because we're going to spend time with the one who has it all. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes across the room, let me ask you a real simple question. Have you been trying to do things on your own? Have you been trying to figure things out on your own? Or have you said, no, God, I, I need you? Have you allowed the Spirit of God to fill you overflowing? Have you sought him? Father, across this room, God, I pray that faith would rise in the hearts and lives of individuals. I pray, God, that across this room, individuals would, would say, no, 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 2018, it's going to be the best year ever. Not because of all that I'm going to do, but because of what God's going to do. Father, I pray that you would give us faith to see things that you would see. God, I pray that joy would rise up inside of us and in a whole new way. And Father, I pray, God, that individuals across this room, no matter where they are in their relationship with you, that they would just take one step closer. Even today, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and lives about what the next step could be. In fact, could you do that right now? All across this room, could you just ask God, just say, Father, what's my next step? What's my next step? Father, I just pray as you're speaking to the hearts and lives of individuals what a next step could be. That you'll give them the courage and the faith to walk that step out. To take it. To trust you. To walk in faith knowing that you have gone before them, that you've got them. God, walk with them, I pray. May 2018, God, be the most incredible year we've ever experienced in our lives. Because we're simply willing to be individuals who will take the next step. And when we take that step, we'll take the next one. And when we take that one, we'll take the next one and the next one and the next one. And 2018 will be a year filled with individuals taking steps in their relationship with you. And as we take those steps, God, I know this, that you will meet with us along the journey of life, walking beside us, carrying us, crying with us, laughing with us and rejoicing with us. Father, you have desired for us to not walk alone, but to walk hand in hand with you. God, help us in 2018 to continue to take those steps. In Jesus' name, amen.